Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We're going to look at uh, a passage in Mark's Gospel, and uh, it is Mark chapter 4, and hopefully uh, Joe's got it up there. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9, sorry. Mark chapter 9, verses 14, (laughs) 14 to 29, and I'm going to read that uh, and you'll be able to read it up there along with us. And uh, this is an account of Jesus healing a boy possessed with an evil spirit. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd, that that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Well, with that, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that uh, is inspired and it helps us to understand our lives. It teaches us and corrects us and trains us in the way that we should go. So Lord, just uh, help us understand this part of your word and um, help us to apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the story has it all. Debate and intrigue and anguish and drama and horror and redemption and healing. 
if we understand, we read through the synoptic gospels, that's the uh, first three gospels that we read, Matthew, Mark and Luke, who uh, portray things as, as Jesus' uh, life on earth um, together. They sort of have a similarities and they often have the same uh, incident, the same account, re- report the same account. We would think that Mark would have much less. There's only about 16 chapters in Mark and 24 in Luke and 28 in Matthew. So you would think Mark would have less, but in fact, in this, on this account, Mark has more than the other two. And that means we can have more uh, to draw out of it, more detail, a lot going on. For example, Mark includes Jesus' words, if you can. In other words, of course I can. But it's if you believe, all things are really possible if you believe. Or the disciples, when they question Jesus privately in the house, why couldn't we drive it out? Why, why did it... Why did, it, why did we fail? It's a sort of uh, postscript, a sort of uh, denouement, uh, sort of ending to, to sort of tie up the loose ends about this story. Or we, we see the scribes arguing and uh, we also see the crowds. And Mark often describes things um, as happening immediately. The crowds are running <coughs> to Jesus before he drives out this uh, spirit. There's lots to think about here. What is really the main point of this story for us? What's the main thing? Is it about demons and and demonic possession? And does that happen today? And who's got the authority and the power to drive out demons? Is that what it's about? Or maybe it's about unbelief. You know, the the father said, you know, help me in my unbelief. And, And obviously there's something going on there. Or perhaps it's about true faith. This kind can only be driven out by prayer. And... Perhaps it's all of those things about spiritual warfare or lack of understanding or about faith or about prayer. Yes, uh, and in fact, as I've looked at it, I think there's a couple of main things um, that we can draw over it. But first, we've got to recognise that people treat narratives in a couple of ways. Many people out there read the Bible and they say, we know that story, we've heard that story, and yeah, that's a great story. It's just like people read the newspaper and they read about certain events and they say, oh, that's interesting and that's great or that's not so good, but it doesn't affect them. It doesn't impact them in any way. But the Bible is different. The Bible is God's word, as we understand, God's inspired word, and therefore it speaks to you where you are and what situation you're in. And it speaks to you today. It speaks to you now if you want to listen and let it uh, impact you. And so here, as we read uh, Mark's Gospel, as we read this account, um, the big question, the underlying question is, how will you respond to Jesus? How will you respond to Jesus? That's Mark's big underlying question all the way through his Gospel. And I want to suggest to you that uh, there's... Two important questions coming out from this passage. And one is that we need to ask, how is the gospel revealed in this incident, in this account of the healing of the young boy? Uh, That's important, and I'll outline that. And the second question is, how can you be certain? And these questions are for Christians and people who are sort of trying to understand Christianity. 
is how can you be certain of what is true? And when you find the truth, that you don't get misled away from the truth. That's also a very important question that I think comes out here. Let me, let me go through the first. Let's, how is the gospel revealed in this passage? And that's important. Why is it important that we continue to look at and search for the gospel and what, it, what it's saying? The simple answer to that is because we're prone to forget the gospel. Even though we can sing about it and we can rejoice in it, we often go away in life and we get busy with other things and we forget what God is doing. And God is working in us and changing us. And if we forget the gospel, what happens is it turns us into very religious people, yes, but people who don't change. We can know the gospel, but it's important that we apply the gospel in our lives and that allows us to change. See, and I'm going to say this a few times, you'll hear me say it. Christianity is about a relationship, a relationship with God. It's not about, a, it's not so much a religion that you follow these rules. It's about a relationship. Um, and it doesn't matter we're not living back when we can observe these events, when Jesus died on the cross and got and rose again. Do you remember the two on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24? you remember they were talking along and they say, oh, you know, well, well, look what's happened, look what's happened. And this stranger, the stranger to them at the time, walks up and says, what are you talking about? And, and they say, well, haven't you been around? Haven't you heard? Haven't you seen all this things that's going on? And what's more, these couple of women came and said, well, you know, he said three days later he'd rise. And they said, they've seen him. And we just can't understand any of this. And that's a bit like many people out in the world today, in our society. They can look at the church, they can hear the gospel, but they don't understand it. And we too, we can easily forget how it should change us and so we first must certainly have an understanding of the gospel but in certainly also be able to explain the gospel so that people can understand it and people can be changed what is the gospel I mean that's a really good question for a for a church at like us at Exchange, because we're gospel-focused, we're gospel-centred. Well, <clears throat> let me explain it in four simple things. God, man, God, man. Uh, God created, Genesis 1 and 2. God created us, made us uh, beings with spirit and body and uh, spoke and gave life and created... It, it, the Bible tells us he created the world, he created everything in the world. And we were created for this relationship with God. But then what happened? Man was given the decision. Genesis chapter 3, the fall. What happened is that they chose to reject God and turn their backs on God. And God recognised this. What are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? And there's consequences to that. We know pain and suffering and hardship and evil and spiritual and physical death. They are the consequences. But then God from that time had worked out a plan to redeem mankind, to restore mankind. We go all the way through the Old Testament to come to the Gospels where we come to the, the sending of Jesus into the world. God came into the world to do what? To provide a way 
of escape, to provide a way out, to redeem mankind who is caught up in the sin and forgive them, cleanse, restore them. And therefore, the response to that is very important. God, man, God created, man fell, God sent his son. And what is man's response to this? It can either reject him or accept him. And man is to call upon God with faith or belief and trust and thank him for what he's done. And in that, God uh, restores them. That's the gospel, basically, in a very quick nutshell, (laughs) small nutshell. Now, how does the gospel relate in this passage? Well, here's the boy. Put yourself in the shoes of this boy or the sandals, whatever he's wearing. Um, And this boy was given life. He, he was born into a family. We don't know anything about the mother. We don't know where they were lived or anything like that. But there was goodness. God provides goodness to us. We, we, even though we are made in the image of God, um, we know things go wrong, but we are still made in the image of God. We still should reflect in some way his goodness and we see it all around. We're given food, we're given health, we're given vitality, we're given life. And this man had a family. He had a son. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. And this son was born and somewhere along the line, evil came in and infected this son, an evil spirit. He was possessed and it was a very serious thing. How long had it been for since he was a child, the man says. And this again reflects what happened in Genesis 3. We're lost. We're dead. We're without hope. We're unable to rescue ourselves. We're incapable of saving ourselves. And as that song says, we're hell-bound, running on this hell-bound race away from God. That's the picture. And... Uh, we could go on and talk about that a bit more, but then Jesus came. Jesus came to this boy. Jesus was physically present in front of this boy. And all things are possible if you believe. And it was possible because the father had some belief and the spirit was driven out and the boy was raised up. Do you notice that? I said, he, well, he's like dead. But no, Jesus raised him up. And that's the truth for that boy. He was given life. He was restored to the family. And evil was banished. Never to enter him again was that spirit. And restored to that family. And that's, that's the gospel. Now, we, we, we've got to keep applying that to our lives. We've got to die to ourselves. We're all the time wanting to look after ourselves and Big note ourselves, but we're going to die to ourselves and live for God, trust in God's rule. Die to our rules and live to God's rules. The foundation is so important here that God initiates. God does what we can't do. He saves us. Nothing we've done deserves that. And the support structure is asking, is calling upon him. Jesus said, pray, pray, prayer. Prayer is what, uh, and we've got to allow the spirit to work in us, to, to guide us, to help us. We need wisdom. And so often as Christians, we can forget these things. You know, we, we mix up and we think, well, we've been saved and now we'll do all these good things and that'll, that'll help us get better, get a better place in heaven or something like that. 
But no, God has done everything for us. We need to respond to that with thanks and praise. That's, that's, that's understanding the foundation work is what God has done and the building the structure is what we do in response. Uh, and in an analogy in the Bible, it's, uh, in, in the agricultural analogy, it's the root and the shoot or the fruit. <laughs> I am the vine, says Jesus. You know, I'm the vine, the vine that's the, 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 the main structure. And you're the branches, you know, but the branches have got to produce fruit. If the branches don't pr- produce fruit, what happens to them? They get cut off and tossed away into the fire. And that's what we can do. We can mix up the root and the fruit quite often, the foundation and the structure. Prayer is part of the structure. Belief is the foundation, belief. So the gospel works out in our lives, and this is what we're about at Exchange. We're a gospel-focused church. Connect to Jesus and grow in Jesus. Uh, Seeing that you don't measure up completely in any way through your own efforts, you cannot get right with God, but it's through Jesus we are perfect before God. And that is the message. That is the good news, which, in other words, the word is the gospel. The good news and the gospel is the centre of our worship. We've been singing gospel-focused songs this morning. We seek to sing songs that speak of the gospel and some of us might like some faster songs or some songs with a bit more rock in it or a bit more beat in it, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that we do it together. It's not for solo or show, it's for his glory. We're responding to God's grace and God's love for us. And the gospel in our teaching, what we do with the kids' church, what we do with the youth, what we do with the adults, we're focused on the gospel. That's why it's important to be reminded, here is the gospel in this account, and we can see it there. And it's easy to just read it like we read the newspaper. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? That's good that that's got a happy ending. But it's more important that it speaks to us in our lives. The Bible is different because it's about a relationship with God, not not a religion, so so to speak. And we need to hear it. We need to continue to hear it. We need to apply it. And many other, we can look at all the other sort of religions that are around in the world and they all are focused on doing these good things so that you may get better and you may get better and better. But the but the Christianity is different. It's about a relationship. God comes down. We don't work our way up. God comes down and shows us. And therefore we respond. And it's just like parents. They, they love to help their children. They love to see them grow up in the right ways. God is our parent. He speaks to us and he loves to see us grow up in the right ways. And that's why it's important to read the Bible. That's why it's important because God desires to speak with you and God desires to help you live the life that will bring joy and, and exceeding blessing and happiness. That's, the, that's one answering one question. But the other one is how can you be certain of the truth? And perhaps if you're not a Christian here today, this might be very interesting for you. How can you be confident to know what is actually true? And not be misled. And there are many ideas, many philosophies, many thoughts out there. It's the truth about me. It's the truth about life altogether. What's the meaning of life? 
the truth about God, who is the author of life. What can we know about God? These are, this is an important question because many today don't have any foundation for, for the, what they believe. And we live in a world that is very much what they call post-modern, uh, post-Christian if you like, post-modern. Uh, modern is sort of God is there somewhere, but post-modern God is right out of the picture. And today, with a lot of people, truth is relative. It's what you think is right, and that could be different from what other people think is right, but that's all right. And so there will be different views on religion, on ethics, on morality, and we can argue and we can debate and we can discuss that, as they say, till the cows come home. But how do we understand what is really true? Is there any absolutes? Is there any certainty? That's the thing with with this relative sort of thinking. You know, if, if we could all, you know, if we, we think about it, we could all just be in a dream right now and we're just dreaming that there's, there's this boring speaker up the front there and he'll go on and on and then we'll go home and we'll wake up and, and we'll get on with life. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But no, there are absolutes. Black is black and white is white and God is present with us. And um, we, we, we are helped as we look at this passage to think about what these various groups are thinking. There are the scribes, there are the disciples, and there are, there's the Father. Let me go through each of those groups. The scribes, as we read the Gospels, would have been sent out by the Sanhedrin. We see that time and time again to gather the evidence about this person, Jesus, because crowds were flocking and that there was a bit of a concern that he was being very popular and that's that they wanted to be popular. And, they, and is, is this guy right? Is this guy on the, on the money? No, they, they hoped he wasn't. And so the, these people, when you get the picture of the scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious lot, um, they're very sceptical, they're very argumentative, they're very resistant to the truth and very hard-hearted. And perhaps we know some people like that around us. <laughs> but the scribes, what were they saying to the disciples? Explain to us why you couldn't drive that demon out. You know, obviously you haven't got the authority. Obviously you're sort of way out of line. You know, you ought to pull your head in and stop doing these things. Uh, and the disciples, you can imagine what they were saying. Now, if we'd read through Mark's Gospel, we see there's a number of accounts that record uh, demons being driven out by Jesus and by the disciples. So the disciples might have been saying to the scribes, hey, you know, you know the evidence. You've seen it all around us. We know we've driven out demons before. We don't understand why we didn't drive this one out, but... We've done it and, and it works. And uh, they were coming back and saying, hey, you know, you've got to live by this set of rules. You know, you can't go past the law of Moses. You know, Moses wrote it all down for us. Uh, and, you know, in all of that, they got no concern about that boy or that father. They're just concerned about keeping the rules. That's being religious, isn't it? <clears throat> and, you know... We, we, we can go on and go on a bit of a tangent here about governments today and obeying the rules and it's a bit of a side issue in a sense. Israel was set up as a nation to reveal God to other nations, 
But in our society, our nation, um, the, the, the government don't necessarily reflect the relationship we have with the rule giver, that is God. But nevertheless, they're put there by, in a way, in allowance to, to help us live peaceable lives, to help us live lives in conformity with God's will. And that's what we should pray. We should pray for our government, whatever the government is, and, and whatever, whatever way we voted, whatever. But um, within the church, within the Christian circles, what many see today with Christians is that, oh, well, we can't go along to that church because they do all that sort of stuff and it just doesn't gel with our thinking. Or just, there's just too many rules. And um, they don't understand that Christianity is about a relationship with God. And the reason why we do that is because we're acknowledging what God has done for us. And that's the reasoning of the scribes, you see. If you're sick, well, you can't be blessed. You're not obeying the rules. Uh, perhaps God will heal you. Uh, you need to be a better person. You need to be a good person. Just obey the rules. Nothing about a relationship. And religious people, not necessarily Christians, but Christian people can be very, very religious. And uh, the scribes would have found it very hard to actually dismiss the disciples because as we read through the accounts, like Mark 3, here is Jesus talking actually to the scribes and he just healed a, a, a person possessed, a, a, mute, a, a spirit that had caused muteness, just like with this young boy. And the scribes said, well, he must be the prince of demons, Beelzebub, driving out other demons. And Jesus made a very sort of uh, obvious sort of statement. Well, how can uh, one be driving out demons? You know, that's a kingdom divided against a kingdom. Uh, it can't stand. A house divided uh, apart can't stand. And Satan can't be developing his uh, ways if he's divided against himself. He says, first of all, if there's a house with, with, with a strong man in it, what has to happen is you have to tie up the strong man, and that's what God does. That's what Jesus does. He banishes the spirit. He ties up the strong man, and then the house is made clean, and then he can uh, enter that house. So Jesus... Uh, in Mark 5, heals a demon-possessed man. And you might remember that account. He had uh, many demons. What, what's your name? Legion, many demons. And uh, that, the demons went out to a, a herd of pigs. Um, in Mark 6, he sends the 12 on a short-term mission. He says, go and heal people, drive out spirits. And they did. They come back and reported. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now, if these scribes were on doing their job, they would have heard all these reports. It just wasn't sort of done in a corner, as Paul tells Agrippa. It just wasn't done secretly. There were, all of this was going on, and they would know. But here they had one, one situation where the disciples couldn't drive this demon out in Jesus' name. And one that I think... Is, is very interesting. There's the woman from Lebanon, Syrophoenicia. She lived between Tyre and Sion, and she came to Jesus, and Jesus said, well, we can't, we, we can't give what we uh, give to the dogs, give to, um, what we're prepared for the children. 
the woman was a Gentile and he was basically saying, well, I came to Israel, not to, not to the Gentile nations, Israel first. And, and she said, she begged him, she said, well, even, even, the dog, even I can get do- scraps from the dogs. And Jesus saw her faith and so he cast out the demon. But the daughter wasn't there, the daughter was at home and it happened just when he said. This is indicating the power of God, the power of Jesus. The scribes would have heard all these accounts, but still they were stubborn, they were resistant, and they weren't debating about the presence of demons. They were dismissing the disciples on having that sort of claim of power and knowledge. And when we speak to people who are a bit dismissive, it's really difficult, let me say. Uh, They say Christianity has rules and they don't think they're good for us. And they say, well, I'm not sure about evil spirits. I haven't come across one. So the question is, how do people today find out this truth? Well, I think if, if we've got the opportunity, we need to just say perhaps you've got some, uh, you've got some ideas, but they're, they're, maybe they're wrong. Maybe you haven't understood Christianity well enough. And uh, it's about a relationship, not about rule-keeping to personally believe in God, to understand who Jesus is. Have you read the Bible? (laughs) That's always a good question for someone that's a bit sceptical. Because what it says is it's not about keeping rules, it's about a relationship. And then you can invite them. Well, maybe you should just discuss it. Maybe we should just look at passages of the Bible, you and me, and discuss what it says. Because then you'll see that there are spiritual beings like God and like demons And while we may not see demons, it does not mean that they don't exist. In fact, if you can, you can go to a third world country and you'll, you'll probably come across them. Anyway, the reason, the reason of the scribes is very, um, very stuck. They're a bit like that seed that falls on the hard ground. It doesn't go anywhere. But the reasoning of the disciples, the thinking of the disciples is a little bit different. They do accept Jesus as the one to show them the way, but they haven't quite got a full understanding of his mission and his purposes. Uh, they couldn't drive out this spirit. Why? Well, I think there's a couple of clues in the passages just immediately in Mark 8 and the start of Mark 9. In Mark 8, Jesus rebukes Peter in front of all the disciples. What had Peter said? Oh, Lord, you can't go and die. That's not a good thing. You know, Jesus said, the Son of Man... He's going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And in, but three days later, he'll rise again. And Peter took him aside and said, no, you can't do that. You, that that's just, and what did Jesus say to him in front of the disciples? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Because your mind is on, not on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, Where does the true power reside? Not in men, but in God. And Peter had made this amazing statement, which which is why Jesus responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But then he completely missed the mission of Jesus, was first of all to die for our sins so that we could live for him. And the second clue is, well, such a great contrast. In Mark 9, you'll read about the transfiguration. Jesus took three disciples, Peter, James and John, up on the mountain. And there on the mountain, God spoke. 
It says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased with. And Jesus was transfigured. It's a picture, it's a glimpse of what our life will be like when we are with Jesus in glory. And in the valley then, they come, they come back to this sort of situation. The world, that's the world that we look to live in, in that uh, glorious world with Jesus and all the saints. Uh, and there was uh, Moses and Elijah, um, representatives of the Old Testament. But then in the valley, we come to the Father who speaks about the Son and said, this Son has been possessed and the, the, the disciples can't drive the Spirit out. Where does the true power lie? It lies with God. Disciples thought they could spell it like they've done before, but um, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I think it's easy to read such words and not think through. We've got to think it through. What's Jesus saying? This kind, this kind of demon, this kind of sickness, only prayer, don't use words, just pray. Um, Jesus used words and commanded the Spirit to come out of him. Let's think it through. What is prayer? It's calling on God, isn't it? It's actually speaking with God. And Jesus, in essence, is saying the authority does not reside in themselves, but the authority resides in God. The authority over that evil spirit. And only with a full reliance on the unlimited power of God Express through prayer, can you clean the house? Can you conquer the occupier? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, is recorded in Zechariah. And we think about ourselves, we think about our lives, and maybe young children. Mum, help me, I can't do this. <laughs> Dad, please, please help me. I'm just, it's impossible, I can't do it. They're crying out for help. From their parent, and so should we. Then we come to the thinking or the reasoning of the father. What a classic bit of uh, text this is. He said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. We see a very anxious father. Uh, he, he didn't want to mess around, he came straight to Jesus didn't wait for the crowd, someone in the crowd to explain what was going on. He said, this is the problem. Here's my son. And they can't drive the spirit out. And um, the interesting thing that Mark records, he said, well, I brought my son to Jesus. He doesn't really say, well, you weren't here, Jesus. So I asked your disciples to drive the spirit out and they couldn't. You see, and now what he's saying to Jesus, he says, my faith has been really battered around. I'm believing that you can, but I've got these, some doubts. And, uh, and, of course, the onlookers can't help him. The scribes certainly can't help him, but he's looking to Jesus. I believe, he says, I believe, but oh, I, I, I'm just struggling to know whether it's going to work, whether it's going to happen. But it's, there's enough faith. it's not a matter of the amount of faith, it's where the faith is directed. It's directed towards Jesus. And what does that mean for us? What is our hope for things to turn out well for us? Perhaps you face what's called mission impossible. <laughs> Perhaps you have some 
struggle in your family or in your in your work or in your situations where you are, some illness, some sickness, some pain. Here's the thing. Jesus said all things are possible. But remember Jesus' words as in Gethsemane. He says, not my will, but your will be done. It's good to know the gospel. It's good to share the gospel and, and accept it and receive it. But we need to apply and call upon God, who is the one who has unlimited power and, and knows what we need. Christianity is about a relationship. You know, I can give a lot of analogies. You, you get a complex bit of equipment, you buy it, and the first thing, you, you open it up, and there it's got the instructions. Please read the instructions first. But what do I do, or maybe you do too? We go and put it together and forget the instructions. And then we say, oh, we've got to, oh, that doesn't look right. I better read the instructions now. Do it all the time. You build a house. What do you do? You make sure that the foundation is right. Otherwise, the floods are going to wash it away or the earthquake's going to shake it to the ground. God is our supreme authority. We need, he is the foundation. As, it, as it's written in, in Scripture, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God. And what's it good for? Profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness so that we're thoroughly equipped to do everything that God has called us to do. The psalmist writes, all your words are true. In other words, the Bible doesn't get out of date. Um, or it doesn't have false statements, and all your words are eternal. It doesn't get out of date. We don't need to add, and we certainly shouldn't subtract, and we don't need to modernise it so much. It's the way to know God, based on the commitment to the full inspiration of the word. And there are many other matters we could discuss, but I think these are the important things that come out of this, this story. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. We, we, we wage war, as Paul said to the Ephesians, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. I love uh, C.S. Lewis' uh, fictional trilogy called the Space Trilogy. I don't know whether you've, you've heard of those books, but the first book um, is called uh, out, of this, uh, out of the Silent Planet. And that planet is actually Earth, and he's got a name for it called Tholkandria. It's silent because there's a bent spirit hovering over it and, and stuck with it, and it can't speak to the other uh, planets and the other um, uh, beings uh, and the other worlds. And that's our situation. We, we, there's, a, there's a fallen world around us. And... Uh, we, we hear in this passage the God who, or we see the God who reveals himself, who is spirit, the immortal, the invisible, the God only wise. And so when we think about what it's saying to us, the question is, how are we going in our Christian walk? How are we going in our personal devotional life? Making time for God is really the most important thing in your life. doesn't matter. You might have many things to do, but um, it's very easy to get religious without a relationship. That's the thing. 
As the old hymn goes, take time to be holy. Speak much with the Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Yes, take time to be holy. This world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him you'll be, your friends in your conduct, his likeness will see. As I often come to a passage in the Bible in, in my personal time, I often tell myself, you know, God, what are you going to tell me today? What, what, what have you got in store for me? What will help me work through this day with all the situations and problems that I will face? And I know if I neglect it, if I treat it like a chore, then God becomes distant in a sense. And I would miss out on his working in little ways, in little things. It takes time to love the word and then to live it. But this passage encourages us. I believe, help my unbelief. And so we might face impossible heart-wrenching situations like that father did. But we can call upon the almighty God. Let's do that now. Lord, we thank you for this this short but very filled and packed passage with so much to teach us, so much to learn from. And help us to think through what your word says to us, to meditate on it as we go through the day, as we go through week by week, year by year. Help us to learn more and more that we may be wise, wise stewards, uh, wise people in in ser- serving you, in honouring you, in uh, in knowing that you're working in us in in various ways and through us and around us. Oh Lord, we pray this uh, for the sake of Jesus, to the honour and, and power that He gives. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.